In the little things in life and the big things in life, I've learned that when you move towards things that are uncomfortable, that are outside of what you can do, you really do leave the opportunity for God to begin to do incredible things in your life beyond anything you ever could have imagined. How do you unlock your full potential of influence and create lasting change? I'm your co-host, Dave Donaldson. Along with your other co-host, Scott Young, welcome to the Influencers Podcast. Join us each week for inspirational stories and strategies from leaders, experts, and professionals around the globe. We want to see you get equipped and empowered to make an impact that resounds from your neighborhood to the nation. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can also follow us at the Influencers Podcast Official on all social media channels to stay up to date, to hear more inspiring content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. What a joy to be together on the epicenter of influence. From the East Coast to the West Coast and literally around the world, talking to people that are bringing light into dark places. Today's guest is absolutely amazing. Matthew Barnett is a voice of hope to this generation. He speaks in the largest conferences that gather around the world. Besides speaking inspirationally, he is a best-selling author. He has written a book called The Church That Never Sleeps. And I've been to the church, and let me tell you, it doesn't sleep. He's written The Cause Within You. He is the pastor of one of the fastest-growing churches in America today, beginning with 39 members and now reaching each week over 30,000 people in some 40 services. I'm sure Matthew doesn't preach all of those services, but 40 services each week and 200 ministries that reach out to people. Besides the influence of the church, Matthew's been inspirational in the Dream Center. The center there in California houses approximately 600 people, feeds over 40,000 people each week, and has been inspirational to spread around the world with another 150 Dream Centers, and they're growing every year. He comes from a great family, an anointed family. His dad, Tommy Barnett, pastor and pioneer of church growth, has instilled inspirational principles that we're going to mine out of Matthew today. His voice really brings, and his ministry really brings, help to hurting people and helps them to find hope. And Matthew, we are so glad to have you on the Influencers Podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a great joy to be with you. I can't wait to dive into it. Yeah, well, some people may be meeting you for the very first time and may never have heard about your story or about the mission of the Dream Center. Could you just give us a little bit about your story? Yeah, you know, years ago, my father, Tommy Barnett in Phoenix, Arizona, was uh, pastoring one of the largest churches in America. And um, somebody came to him from the Assemblies of God and said, look, there's a little building in downtown LA that um, could get sold to the banks or... You know, who knows how long it can survive in the community. And so my dad said, you know what, I'll plant a church there. He didn't know how to, to do it, didn't know how it was going to take any form whatsoever. So he just uh, drove down with a few pastors and tried to show them the vision of pastoring in downtown L.A. But at that time, it was the 1990s, and there was a lot of gang um, activity going on in the community. And every single one of those pastors, and they saw gang members, you know, trying to uh, get in the back door, said, I don't feel led of the Holy Spirit hmm. to become a pastor of this church. Hmm. And and I didn't really feel led either. I was in the back seat in the car with him. And my dad said, son, 
I can't find a pastor. Would you just come and help me at 20 years of age for three wow. months? I'll give you 10 sermons to preach. You can, you don't have to, you can just take my greatest hits and preach them. And uh, until I find someone, and then it was six months and then we couldn't find anybody. And now I've been here for 28 years, wow. uh, pastoring a church that started in that church building. And now it's kind of morphed into, I know what we will later discuss the dream center, this big old hospital that um, reaches uh, hundreds of people every day that are homeless and addicted and families that know where to go and veterans and trafficking victims and all this. But little did I realize that just a say yes commitment for three months would turn into a 28 year journey now as I'm, I'm actually looking out over the city. It's, it's kind of shocking. I've been there here this long. Well, you planted a lot of seeds into people's hearts that have changed them for time and for eternity. You wrote a book last year, One Small Step, that really talks about life's adventure and following God's nudges. And that book talks about people, literally all people, being able to make an impact on the world around them by following that voice of the Holy Spirit. Can you tell us what inspired that book and how it's been effective in your life? You know, that book has really been inspired just by the events of the Dream Center all these years. You know, when we were in that little building and we were taking in people in the community and our houses that we owned, um, we were driving down the freeway. We saw this big hospital and we only had $50,000 a year of money that was coming into the Dream Center at that time um, in our little old church. But we saw it and Hollywood was going to buy it and Paramount was going to buy it, turned to a movie set. And some of the most famous movies in all of Hollywood were filmed here. When we pulled over to the side and I saw this building, I just, I took one small step, basically. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to see what's possible. And oh. I set up a meeting with the Catholic Church and the nuns, and they sold it to us for $3.9 million instead of $16 million. Um, Whatever it is, I've, you know, I've just never been afraid to take a, a small step into the impossible. Now we have this big old building because of that step. Um, or whether it be running seven marathons on seven continents in seven consecutive days in order to raise money for the Dream Center. I just, I learned that there's there's power in saying yes to things. And so many times in life, we can talk ourselves out of the reasons why we can't do something. And uh, rather than just spending that energy, you know, taking a step forward and seeing what happens. And so basically, and the little things in life and the big things in life, I've learned that when you move towards things that are uncomfortable, that are outside of what you can do, you really do leave the opportunity for God to begin to, do incredible things in your life beyond anything you ever could have imagined. Wow, so good. Matthew, it's Dave Donaldson. Uh, our families go back 30 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody has inspired my brothers and I uh, more than the Barnett family to start Convoy of Hope and, and now City Serve. And uh, you and I were talking before the show that uh, we have the joy of working with the Dream Center on response to the pandemic uh, with farmers to families. And, you know, so many churches closed down during the yeah. pandemic, uh, but uh, the Dream Center opened up and opened up big, not mm -hmm. just the doors, but your arms. Share with us about some of the things that uh, you were able to accomplish and you're still doing. Yeah, when they announced a stay home on order in California, we were the first ones to do it, we're kind of the last ones to leave it too. But uh, when that happened, um, I turned to my wife and said, we have got to move because there's going to be a crisis of spirit in our city. And I ran to the Dream Center. I went to our food bank. I said, how much food do we have? They said, we have enough for like one day of reserve. I said, let's get it out on the parking lot. 
and let's just make ourselves available to feed people that are in need. Um, started off kind of slow the first day and the second day. And by the time the week ended, we had cars lined up for 11 hours, seven days a week. And to be honest with you, we were kind of walking on water. Um, it, it would be like we would think something like we need this and then God would send it. Or man, it should be great if we had a semi truck full of food, convoy of hope, first people to send it. It was almost like God was just blessing every dream that we had that had to do with helping other people. And, you know, my ministry started when I was 20 years of age on the sidewalk with a desk and a little old phone handing out three bags of food. That's where it started. And I'm laughing that now, 28 years later, I spent 380 consecutive days right there on the blacktop feeding people, going right back to not preaching conferences, just going right back to where it all began. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, Convoy of Hope just kept showing up. They're, they'd call us and be like, we're, we would say, we're in trouble. And then you guys would bring in these resources that would keep us going for weeks. And it's just amazing, you know, what happened with that. Um, people would drive through the line to get food, but then they would come by a second time. And I would tell them, I said, look, you already got your food. Why are you coming by a second time? They said, no, no, we're just coming through the drive through line now because we want someone to cheer for us. Because we were cheering for people and we gave away food and people were lonely and they were weary and, and their only recreation was to go through the food line and get food and then to come back and have somebody, you know, ring a bell for them as we would do or we would shout and rejoice and have a big time and tell jokes or whatever and they're coming through. And I realized that not only food isn't a powerful source because what it does is that it connects you to people, it connects you to long-term decisions people make to to follow Christ or long-term decisions they make to go into rehab. Food creates conversations. And that's what we found during this thing is that it became the most powerful thing. People were getting out of their cars, dropping their sons off in rehab just because we gave them a food from Convoy of Hope or bless somebody. So all these spinoff effects started happening through the relationship of serving and feeding people and just making ourselves available. And that's um, kind of a legacy moment. We'll look back and forever be proud of our team for stepping up in the middle of hard and uncertain times. Yes, Scott, you have a similar uh, story, you know, about how you were praying for food. Yeah, we give food out every week here in, in Florida and Sarasota in our weekend supply. We ran out and we, <laughs> we, 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 we pray. We just said, and, and I love what you said when you said God helps every dream to help people. Yeah. And we just prayed. We were in a staff meeting. We just said, God, we ran out of food and we need more. And City Serve called friend of Dave called me and said, uh, do you need some food? And we said, yeah, we need some food. And he says, well, I'm going to send you a, a track tractor trailer of food. And we said, that's a lot of food. <laughs> and then he said, I'm going to send you a tractor tra trailer full of food every single week. We said, that's a lot of food, but city serve <laughs> helped us give out over a, a million dollars of food in 2020 and over a million dollars in 2021. And Dave Donaldson and the team of city serve have been absolutely amazing. And, you know, Matthew, what was uh, funny, if you will, was so City Serve uh, with organizations like uh, Convoy and uh, the Dream Centers. You guys helped all across the country yeah. uh, with with Tori, who directs, I know, your network. She did yeah. a phenomenal job. The Rescue Missions, Teen Challenge, and thousands of churches but uh, I got a call one day from USDA saying, you're not doing it right. Uh, you can't 
just put uh, the boxes and trunks and back seat without asking people why they need the food. Oh my goodness. They have to self-declare in a national emergency. And so people would roll down their windows, share their story. And as a result, uh, through great ministries like yours, we were able to pray with millions, not thousands, millions of people uh, across the country. And and it's an example of what happens when we do step out. You know, I remember your dad, when he turned 60, he ran 700,000 steps uh, <laughs> from Phoenix to the Dream Center to raise funds. And and so you guys have taken a lot of small steps, but you've also taken some God-sized steps right. uh, to get to where you're at, not only in LA, but as you share, there's dream centers across the country, now globally, yeah. correct? That's right. All over the world. Yep. So what are some of the those God-sized steps as you look back and you say, hey, even though we didn't have the resources, the capacity, we stepped out in faith and God was already there? Yeah, there's been so many occasions of that. Obviously, what I said, from buying the building to... Um, you know, the marathon challenge when um, <laughs> that was probably the biggest step of my life. The most unfamiliar step is uh, we, we added two floors of, um, of of space for people to live, about 150 beds. And to be honest with you, in 28 years, that was kind of a time where we stepped out a little too fast, to be honest. And we weren't really quite ready for it. But there was so much needed our doorstep and families, 300 families on the waiting list. were like, we've got to get family housing. So we built it. And we were in a little bit of a bind. And uh, I was just walking around the Rose Bowl one day and a guy texted me and he said, uh, check out these people running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days, like yeah. running every continent of the world, a full marathon in 168 hours. And I texted back. I said, that's great. These are, man, courageous people. I applaud them. And then he texted me back and he said, Pastor, I will give the Dream Center $100,000 right now if you commit to do it, to do the marathon challenge next year. And I thought to myself, yes, of course, I'm going to say yes, um, thinking that a year was a long time, right, to get down the road. <laughs> but eventually the year showed up, and then I was running with these ultra marathon champions. It was the craziest thing I've done only two my entire life, and I'm running you know, in Antarctica, continent number one, and then like in a plane 14 hours later, we're running in South America. It was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. And um, I, that, that by far was the biggest step ever because it was an unfamiliar step. It was something I was totally unqualified to do. And um, then we got to the end of that, um, tore my, my patella tendon in my knee halfway through the fifth marathon and just went through so much spiritual struggles along the way of finishing that thing. But what kept me going was all the people at the Dream Center say, Pastor, if you get to the end of the marathon, I'll finish rehab or I'll go to my GED classes and the families that live here. All the people that use that run as a metaphor for their own life. Um, I think that was one of the greatest battles. And another great battle was really during COVID was the battle of, of staying in the fight. I mean, in California, there's a lot of people that started coming up to us during COVID and saying, hey, can we buy your land? Thinking that it was over, thinking that the demise mm -hmm. of the Dream Center would finally be done. They could repurpose this landmark hospital that is the most visible building in all of LA. And so through a lot of conversations about kind of the new Los Angeles, um, we got more offers than we've ever had up to a hundred million dollars for this building. And, and, uh, and just staying the course, you know, everyone leaving the city of California, Los Angeles, or going to different States, losing staff members, things. And, and then really 
struggling and then justifying in your mind, well, it's been a good run. There's needy people anywhere you can go, you know, and all the ways you try to talk yourself out of it. But um, I think you just show up every single day. You do the same thing. You weather those storms and sometimes those capacities to want to quit and you always get to the other side. Uh, but you just got to keep showing up and doing the same thing and being faithful. And then the tide of your heart will begin to turn. So I think COVID was a great challenge. And to be honest with you, it was a great excuse to leave because a lot of people felt like it was almost impossible to do what we were able to do in California. But the truth is we weathered that place, that storm to say, look, you know, when God's called us here, if there's ever a time we needed to stay, now is the time to do so. So I think those are the two biggest events, the marathons, because it was physically so far beyond what I could do. And uh, just the test of will and commitment uh, to see it through here in this city when there were so many temptations, you know, to, to jump off and, and just and do something else with your life. Mm, that's powerful. You know, I was asked to speak at a church in Southern Cal and the pastor went up to the podium. I thought he was going to introduce me. Instead, he resigned from the church. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And to make matters worse, my sermon topic or title was never quit, never give up. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, and, man. and afterwards, he shared the reason he was leaving is there was just too many problems yeah. in the community. And, you know, you you know, in your family have modeled that these so-called problems are opportunities for the church to reach out to the brokenness. Share with us about your model for community engagement uh, and how outreach has really become the, a key component to church growth and how you influence the community. Yeah, I think, you know, changing the atmosphere of the community has been a big part of, of what we believe that the church is called to do. Um, and that Sunday morning is not the destination of the church. It's the rallying point for the church to be everything it needs to be Monday through Saturday in the community. And um, so we just started meeting one need at a time and doing it really, really well. And then moving to the next need and moving uh, on to the next and just kept that heartbeat alive. You know, every single church service, we have a testimony of someone whose life has changed. And so, you know, there's a time where I thought, well, you know, we, we do a lot of outreach, but maybe the church ought to be more of a safe and comfortable place, you know, away from all that. And then God spoke to me. And he said, no, church needs to be exactly who you are at the Dream Center. Make it about, you know, a church where people come to serve and give their life, their commitment. to, And that might not be for everybody, but it might be for some. And 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 the ones that, that it will be for, you'll make a difference. And so it's one of those things where... Um, I mean, right after church, we'll take in eight people um, who come to the altar and need a place to live. Or it's so wonderful to have solutions. Matter of fact, today I'm actually going out right after this interview to a South Central Imperial Court Housing Project. And um, there'll be people there that have drug addictions. We'll take them home with us and bring them into the programs. And so I've always wanted to say yes to every need in society where people would say, I would change, but. And we want to take away that aspect of it to be able to say, no, you can because we have a solution to it. And so that, that's kind of the model, I think, the Dream Center, um, whether it be housing or just other needs that people meet across the country that might be specific to their own region. Um, just make yourself available and just become need hunters and go around looking for needs. And, and I, people always tell me, Pastor, you must be a great visionary. I'm really not a great visionary. I don't really plan anything five years down the road. I have no five-year plan or a one-year plan. It, but we just show up with a servant's heart and it's almost like the need finds us. The call finds us. The dream gets shaped by the experiences and the encounters that we, that we encounter by just 
being there every single day and meeting people and getting to know them. So that's how the dream has really been formed. It's kind of like man's need has been God's call for the day. And uh, I know Convoy lives their life that way as well, where they just kind of, you know, where's the need? Okay, LA needs something. Let's load up a truck. Let's do something. It's being flexible and just letting God build the vision. And that way you'll never get discouraged. You'll never get to a place where if your goals don't line up to where you want to be, it's just about being faithful. When I was younger, I had all these great goals. And now just the goal is, is to be faithful and see what God wants to form, see what he wants to build. And um, I'm so glad I did that because I never saw a hospital. I never saw housing hundreds of people. Um, that wasn't in my plan, but it was in God's heart. And serving brought all those dreams out that I never even knew were on the inside of my own life. You've said yes to so many things, Matthew. And you, you really have a, a macro touch in the world. Let me just ask about the micro touch. Anyone that's been around the Barnetts knows family is important. The joy of watching you and your dad when I spoke for you guys out in California, just seeing your interaction. And then your family's important to you, your wife, Caroline, Mia, Caden. How, how do you take these, prioritize the world, which you're touching, but also as an influencer, care for your family and prioritize what happens inside that little circle of family? I think the secret of that, to be honest with you, is that I have great longevity in the dream that God's given me here. Like, I want to be here for another 20 years. I committed my life to the city of LA when I was 20. So I feel like I don't have to reach every single timetable and goal overnight. Hmm. I can take time for my family. I can go out and, um, and go to their games and be there for them and not have to sacrifice anything because, you know, I feel like I have the luxury of time to be able to walk this thing out and be faithful in what God's called me to do. So it's almost like if you commit yourself to the finish line from the very, very start, um, you just know that God's going to lead it in the way it needs to go over time. And so when you have that commitment that you make, it just, it, it just frees you up. It frees me up knowing that, you know, there's times where I need a little bit more time with my family and seasons. I'll take it um, because I know I'll be back to the Valley. I know I'll be back to serving, do what I need to do. So that's helped me a lot. The longevity of the calling has kept me very consistent in many aspects of my life to be able to try to be successful in all of them. And you've been a, a effective in your your family and in the community you live in. But you live in a community with shifting uh, moral, family, individual freedoms. The debate of progressive or conservative. How does how do you personally stay relevant in the culture you live in? And how do you lead your church as an influential church, not only in your state? nation, but the world. How do you lead them into remaining relevant in the shifting sands of culture? That's a great question. It's funny you say that because when we uh, went out to eat after church on a Sunday, um, we looked around and there's like nobody in the restaurant that looks like they've been to church. There's no like, <laughs> you know, because sometimes they'll go speak in like the Midwest and South and you you see that, you know, these families went to church this morning or you you, you can tell that they were dressed up in LA. It's just not like that. It's just people. Mm -hmm. um, and even now it's almost like a wasteland of churches. So many have left during this time and many of them haven't gone back in 18 months yet. And we, you know, we, we opened up in October, a uh, full throttle church and, and just kind of went forward knowing we just, you know, felt like we needed to have a great voice in the community. Um, you have to really like serve your way into your message to a large mm -hmm. extent because the barriers that people have towards the church are oftentimes not true. They're manufactured, they're built in based on prejudices and bias or things they've seen. 
but the fact is they're real and, and you have to really overcome that by having it, um, you know, a strong message of, of service that goes along with it. And then it opens up the door, you know, mother Teresa, you know, she preached against abortion at the democratic convention and still got a standing ovation at the end. Yeah. One of the reasons why I think she earned the right to be heard by serving. And I think there's that essence here in this city that you, you can have your beliefs, you can stay true to your values and who you are, but, um, you know, show us what your commitment is. Show us what your, your heart is, your level. And at this point, you know, you can make stands on pro-life issues or anything like that. And people don't even get bothered. They don't get really offended or anything because they know that where your heart is at through mm -hmm. what you've given in the trenches. They know that your opinion might be different than theirs, but they know that your heart has been is truly captivated by loving people and serving. So. You know, it's and then there's also a, a danger, a little bit of a church trying, I think, a little bit too hard to be relevant when um, it's, it's tough to be relevant in a city like this that's constantly shifting um, fashion culture all the time. So we just decided rather than be relevant, we're just going to be revolutionary. We're going to show them something <laughs> they've never seen. We're going to serve in the middle of a pandemic, which most people are fearful of doing now. We had families coming through our food line saying, I'm bringing my food for my friend who's never been out of their house since this thing started, you know. The culture of fear that's so prevalent, you know, we don't fight it by arguing if we should fear or not. We just go out and live a life of no fear and and um, it inspires people to do the same. So, you know, it's it's tough to be relevant in a city like this, but I think it's easier to be revolutionary in the way that okay. you live, in the way that you do things. You smile in the middle of need all around you. When people get in food, you have a joy about you. Um, yeah. That's what makes the Dream Center special. It's not just what we give away. I think it's attitude and spirit that goes along with it. So good. Uh, Matthew, uh, not too far from you are amusement parks with a lot of roller coasters. <laughs> and uh, I was just uh, at uh, Disneyland with my family. Our daughter, which, by the way, is a doctor at Children's Hospital L.A., just down the street from you guys and wow and it's it's obvious uh, the impact that the dream centers had on that whole region and those families that that go in there for help but you know so many pastors feel like they are on an emotional roller coaster hmm. and there are many that because of covid are ready to give up I mean, I'm hearing of a lot of churches that are being vacated now yeah. by pastors that have been there for quite a while. So there's a lot of movement happening. Uh, speak to that leader right now that that's going through those ups and downs and perhaps is discouraged and dispirited. Yeah, you know, I, I would encourage a leader to realize that right now the, the reward in serving God is not numbers. The reward is being faithful. And when, when you look out and there's a certain kind of liberation, I think that happens in your spirit during a time like this, because in the past you look out and say, Oh, is a crowd going to be what it needs to be today? But now you look out and realize it's going to be down. You, you're going to have to just find joy in reduced numbers, but just being a faithful pillar in your city. Hmm. And uh, in some ways that could be very, very liberating because it brings you back to why you're serving God in the first place to proclaim his message and to do good. So I would encourage you to find joy even when you're down 40% in your attendance or things aren't there, not in the outward aspect of what you see and what you wish you could see, but just find joy in the fact that you're a faithful servant of God. Make the vision, 
not about where you want to be next year. Make the vision about how can I just be faithful one day at a time? And, um, and that's a great joy that I've really seen is uh, the pastors who tend to get that, understand they were made for a time like this, and that they will surge again, they will rise again. But progress isn't always in an upward motion. Sometimes progress is actually when you're going down, but you're being faithful, but you walk that bridge long enough to connect you from one era to the next era where you will grow again. So I would encourage you to find value in ordinary faithfulness as much as extraordinary progress. Your insights have been really challenging. I've written, I've written a number of things down here that you said that I'm going to be thinking about after our time together. And I I know there's a lot more in you and I'd love for you to just share how can people connect with you, maybe find some of the books that you've written that connect with your ministry, your message, and really the passion that you have to help people. And after you tell us how to do that, could you just give us a, a blessing just as a global pastor, speak encouragement and a word of blessing in prayer over our listeners today? Well, thank you. They can go to dreamcenter.org and find out all that's going on in the ministry here. They can even check their son and daughter into a free rehab program for a year right there on the site, everything on there. We'll just be glad to help you and serve you in any way. If you want to look around, see some of the programs, outreaches, ways to support, you can do that as well. But Father, I just thank you for every single one of these global pastors that are listening and God bless them, Lord. We're just so thrilled that they're staying in the fight. The victory has already been won. Because right now, Lord, they're just going to be later be clipping off coupons because of a faithful moment they had when nothing seemed to be going on. Give them the courage to endure. Give them the courage to fight. And Lord, I just pray that you would just remove that layer of just general sadness that's upon so much of us, in especially cities with heavy oppression and, and lockdowns for so long. And it's left a little bit of us, you know, maybe damaged a little bit, spiritually tired, weary. And I just pray that you would just restore them right now, that even through this podcast, they would just get on their knees and raise their hands and say, God, give me a fresh anointing of faithfulness. All I want to do is be faithful. Let them them fall in love with you, Jesus, and fall in love with things that they can control. And that is being faithful, available, and teachable. And I just pray that you would give them a second wind of your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please be sure to hit the subscription button. You can help us to reach more people and bring more great guests onto the program by giving us a five-star rating and writing a personal review about how this podcast has personally impacted you. We love to read your comments. We'd love you to follow us at The Influencers Podcast Official. That's on all social media channels. To stay up to date, to hear more inspirational content, and to unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember, folks, use your influence to move people closer to Jesus and his mission.